Welcome to the Ripple Fishing Report. I'm your host, Brad Long. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Ripple Fishing Report. And uh, today's show, we're going to talk to Captain Jordan Todd down in Port St. Joe. How you doing, Jordan? I'm good, man. I'm doing pretty good. Good. So uh, so how's things been? We, uh, we need to catch up. We hadn't talked in a little bit. I was out of town and out of pocket. So uh, how's it been going? It's been good, man. We've had some uh, great weather, you know the last couple of weeks a little bit of typical summer pattern still <clears throat> storms will pop up here and there but you know they're little isolated stuff you can kind of fish around them or fish tail one or two and get off the water and you know not worry about them too much but the winds have been real light oh nice uh, yeah it hadn't been super windy water's been nice and clean we've been doing a little bit of everything uh snapper season finished up really really good on saturday and sunday Okay. I didn't realize that uh, was the end of it. Yep. The end of recreational. Okay. And then you still got some federal and then they're going to open up or depending on the quota that's left, they'll open up a couple weekends in the fall. Yeah, that's right. Um, but, uh, yeah, did some of that. I mean, then, uh, you know, did a little live bait trout and reds. Pretty good. Did some triple tail, did some tarpon. You know, I've been, been kind of catching a little bit of everything, man. Yeah, it sounds like it. So you haven't, have you guys had much rain <clears throat> over the last week or so? Uh, not a lot, you know, all at once. It's been just these little afternoon showers for 30 minutes to an hour. Yeah. You know, I would, or like I, sprinkles. I, so I'm, it's been, go ahead. No, you finish. Cause I, I, I'll tell you why I'm asking. Um, it's just been a, a typical summer, you know, weather pattern. We get. Tenth of an inch of rain every day, you know, here and there, just kind of scattered out. Yeah, it's, it's pop up It's been stuff. very nice. Yep. Yeah, I was asking because Brant over in Pensacola told me earlier that uh, that they had a ton of rain last week, and to the point that it's uh, he thinks it's jacked around the the salinity and the cooled the temperature in the bay so quickly that it's just shut it down. Huh? No, the, we haven't. We haven't had that. I mean, we have little. We, you know, it just rained here really hard for an hour straight is probably the most rain we've had in the last two weeks. Yeah. I think you said they got two inches today. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we probably got half an inch, maybe three quarters of an inch here, but in, in an hour. So yeah. it'll probably be, you know, a little tannic in some areas, some of the creeks and stuff that run in, but it's not, it's nothing that's, you know, causing any, any major problems. So it's, it's right. Been, so you're not dealing nice. with any kind of rain event. Kind of no, situation. not like we did not, not like we had last summer. Not at all. It's, yeah. it's been a, it's been a good, you know, for the most part, been a typical summer weather pattern. Yeah. And it must be, you know, where Pensacola is located geographically, they may pick up a lot of the same weather that comes through where I'm at, you know, just in the South and just, <clears throat> just kind of comes through and catches them, but doesn't, doesn't get down to you. Yeah, no, we've had, you know, we've, the radar showed quite a bit of rain. Um, over toward Panama and Pensacola and stuff like that. But, you know, these little, like, three weeks ago, those little sails kind of sat over us every day, you yeah. know, and it rained, you know, off and on all day for, like, three, four straight days. Yep. Um, so that just kind of shifted over, and now they are they seem to be getting it, and we're, yeah. we're pretty nice. It's been hot. Boy, I know that. Yeah. My, my lights are actually flickering now. Hopefully this won't um, shut us down. 
Uh-oh. Yeah, we had a we had a lightning strike with uh, about two blocks away from here about an hour ago, and it knocked power out for a split second. Oh man, I heard a big heard a big loud boom, so it hit something. Yeah, it's that time of year, man, especially where you are. It's bad. Oh yeah, all over, you know. But it's in Florida. It's and on the water, boy, it's bad. Yeah, when that when that afternoon heat and stuff starts building, man, it can it can throw some nasty thunderstorms at you really quick. Yep, yep, you're right. So you mentioned tarpon in the, the stuff you've been up to, are you still seeing good numbers move through? Uh, yeah, they're not really, you know, doing their typical, you know, migrating down the beaches, the, the few, the few fish, not few, I mean, there's, you know, quite a bit of fish, but compared to the migrating numbers, um, the few fish that are, that are here, you know, that, that normally stick around after the spawn to feed or, are, you know, kind of congregated together around the bait in, in areas. So it's, it's not really, you know, you may get a couple shots if you still sit out on the beaches and, and wait for them to swim, you may see eight or 10 fish a day. Yeah. Um, but most of them are all kind of congregated together around the bait and are going to feed off and on throughout the day. So it's kind of more of riding around, you know, and, and looking for them in certain areas. Right. And then when you see them, start feeding then kind of get in them and, and fish for them we yesterday we jumped three in about 20 minutes yeah you get them um, feeding like that man yep we we got there a little late i i knew they would do it on toward the the middle tide you know the incoming switch to the outgoing right um but when we got there they were feeding and probably should have been there about an hour earlier and in 20 minutes we jumped three and then they just shut down and wow. we could see them and they were rolling around and, and doing tarpon things, but they were not biting anymore. And they, they just shut down. We fished for another hour and didn't get a bite. Yeah. Isn't that funny how they can do that? Just yep. part, part oh, yeah. is over. That's just like a light switch, man. Yep. They all seem to know at one time. Yep, exactly. Well, man, the, uh, the, so the tarpon are still around, not as, but, but you're saying you might still see some migratory stuff, but the, it's what it's dwindling down. It sounds like, yeah, it, it is. You know, if it's a really nice, pretty day, you may, you may see, you know, a couple dozen fish, um, but you're not going to see the numbers you would, you know, typically, uh, two, three weeks ago. Yeah. <clears throat> and then, uh, trout and redfish. It sounds like, where are you catching those? Are you catching those in Appalachia or in St. Joe Bay? Um, a little bit of both. Uh, St. Joe today was really tough. No tide movement. Uh, in between the moons here, uh, water temps getting up upwards of close to 90. So typical August, you know, we caught, had some good bites first thing in the morning. And then by about nine, it just, it got tough, man. No water movement, no wind, hot steel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a bad recipe for St. Joe Bay, man. It is. It's, it, it can be very, even live, especially live bait when we're having to sit still. Yeah. And it's like that. It is. It it can be tough. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, Indian Pass. Uh, we had a good shrimp hatch already on on this moon, last moon. Oh, nice. Tons of little, tons of little bitty tiny shrimp. Uh, so the trout trout bites going to start picking up over there a little bit. So, what's the best way to fish that if they're tiny little shrimp like that? Just throw a smallish kind of artificial. It's just a three inch artificial shrimp and you can do it under a popping cork or you can do it, you know, just on a jig head and find the, uh, you know, the oyster bar edges or the deep 
shell bars um, or find some, you know, what I call like a, it's just like a sandbar type deal. Yeah. Um, just kind of like a mud flat, but it's, it's a sand where it's like a spoil area. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that they kind of get up on top of while the current's pushing shrimp over it. Yeah. Um, some of those areas and, and right now, every time the current, you know, moves in or out, it's going to be carrying a ton of those little shrimp. Yeah. Is it best so, to fish closest to the, what is it? A Creek mouth they're coming out of or a river mouth or something? Uh, Creek mouth, but a lot of them, you know, are just out in the bay. Okay. So they just flush so, out and just go. Yeah. So if you can find a little spoil area in front of a Creek or a bayou, you know, on an outgoing tide. Yeah something like that they'll they'll stage up on that catching those shrimp you can you can get some good bites is it clear uh, enough over there to sight fish for this i mean you like with little shrimp no, patterns can't do it no 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 i mean the water's what i call clean for indian pass yeah you know you may have a foot of visibility um but up close to the bank here it's gonna be very very tough to see the see the bottom or see fish you just got to kind of know where that stuff is yeah yeah it's a it's a it's a tough fishery that way it's good it has a there's a lot of unique things but then there's a lot of takes time to learn it that's that that area over there you have to learn you can't just drive out there and and i mean you can but you you know it's a little harder just to drive out there and and figure it out in a day or two days you really got to kind of uh, look around and, and know where you're going or <clears throat> know the things to look for to. Yeah. To well, I mean, them. just as simple as if you can't see three or four foot down and see bottom, then you can't even tell if it's a grass flat. Is there an oyster bowl? I mean, there, you can tell with colors and stuff sometimes, but you know what I'm saying? Visibility oh, yeah. goes a long way uh, inshore fishing. And when you don't have it, yeah, that, uh, that, it that area takes time. That area takes time on the water to figure it out. Well, what else are you seeing over in, in Apalachicola in that area? Is there, um, the big, the big breeding triple tail have been around the big girls, you know, the 15, 18, 20 pounds. Um, there's been a couple of upwards of 30 inch fish, you know, close to 30 pounds Golly. being caught. And I, I wish people would, you know, let them go or, or know to let them go, let them spawn, man. They, they're here for a certain reason and that's to lay eggs and make babies. And if anybody listens to this late July and August, let them, let them go, man. Just let them lay their eggs. It's so important, but, um, you know, that's to each, each, it's, it's a legal fish. You're allowed to keep it. It's, it's your own discretion what to do, but hopefully people are smart enough to, uh, you know, let them go. Well, and, and you got to think about, and I've tried to get better about thinking about, you know, eat, I try to eat things like mahi or, you know, something that, that I know, um, it's pretty, I don't know. They replace pretty often. You know what I mean? They, well, they yeah, ma- mahi are, are the fastest growing fish in the ocean. They don't live, but you know, five to seven years, maybe. Yeah. So, um, I mean, they're just, so, they're so sustainable, you know? Yep. They and, reproduce so fast. They can spawn, you know, multiple times during the summer. And they, they're constantly spawning basically and, and yeah. growing and moving. So yeah, that's, that's a very plentiful fish and there's nothing wrong with keeping a triple tail to eat nothing at all. No. I, and, and I, and I will do that, but there are times when you say, okay, <clears throat> I should, I should try to do something. If it doesn't matter, you know what I mean? If I don't care, then, you know, 
try to yeah, I don't know, try to load up a, on the mahi and, and save the triple tail. I guess is if you, know, you have you the know, option. It, triple tail are prolific, man. They they reproduce a lot. They they grow very fast to up you know the first year of their life up to a certain size, and then they kind of slow down. Yeah. Um. You know, and they have a pretty decent survival rate, but in, in anything, in any fish species, you know, if you just threw the big ones back, the species has a much better chance to be sustainable. Yeah. Than killing the big ones, you know, and, and letting the little ones go. Like, keep a little one if it's legal. You right. know, let yeah. just let the big ones go. Well, and that's that's really the key takeaway. Nobody nobody's suggesting you you do you know not keep anything. But when you catch that trophy nowadays, it's too easy to get the measurements, get some pictures. You can get a mount made if that's what you're into. I mean, there's other options besides killing the fish. It's probably not going to be your best eater in the cooler anyway if it's that Absolutely. size. So I mean, yep. it's it's kind of like I get it, but we need to I don't know as a group work on shaking that mentality. You know, of, of, I mean, I'm a bass guy. So, you know, back in the day, you wanted to mount a fish, you kept it. You wrapped it in newspaper and threw it in the freezer. You know what I mean? And then you took it somewhere. They did whatever they do to them, and then it's mounted. It's yeah, not like that, that anymore. I don't even know if people do that No, and, and the thing with triple tail, like, if you want to keep it to get old school mounted, you can't eat that fish. Right, yeah. So, so it's, now it's so even now more. You've killed, yes, now you've killed that fish, and you're not getting the meat from it because the, the taxidermists need the fish whole to be able to skin and mount properly so you, you just ruin the meat you know and yes it the, and the the live mounts don't even last forever no so it's there's there's really no if, if it's a trophy and you want to remember it forever the replicas are so much better let the fish go it survives it makes more so you have a chance to catch another big one one day and you still have that trophy that mount on the wall that you can remember you know every time you look at it and here's the thing, Jordan, think about it this way. I mean, you go back to, you know, I'm, I'm older than you, but my childhood in the eighties, I mean, that's what we did. You wanted something mounted. That's how you did it. I mean, hunting's yeah. different. You're harvesting the animal regardless. So it, it doesn't matter. But with this, you, you, that was the only option nowadays. If you want to show off your trophy, if that's, if that's your thing and that's why you want to do this, a picture in social media is the way to do it anyway. It's absolutely. Uh, so like the fish doesn't have to die. The, the picture is, you know, that's the thing. So these trophies aren't going to be the, the, like I said, it's not going to be your, your best meat in the cooler anyway. So <clears throat> it's not going to be as good. And a picture is all you really want at the end of the day, if you're bragging. So I don't know. It kind of seems like it'd be too easy. To just put it back, you know? Yeah. And I, I wish more people thought that way, but you know, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, they're, they're here right now and, and, um, a lot of little ones. So typically you'll see, if you see a bunch of little ones around, there's, there's a big one close by. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're, they're here. It's, you know, it's been pretty decent and, uh, we caught, um, what we catch, we caught six the other day, all, well, we caught seven. Six of the seven we caught were, were 24 to 28 inches. Good Lord. Yeah, they were all 15 to 18 pounds, and we threw everyone back. We, and I didn't even give them an option to keep right. it. Man, I, then, but seriously, that's a, that's a lineup, man. Um, the majority good, of your yeah. fish are, uh, are studs. Well, I've, I've got a little area that this time of year, the big ones kind of congregate. And 
It's hmm. a, no one knows about it. Apparently, um, that's wild, man. Yeah, there's a couple old timers that used to do it, but I haven't seen anybody fishing them in this area in, in quite some time. Um, but I try to very hit it very rare, you know, rarely and super fast, so no one sees me. Yep. Um, but you can catch some big ones, and they're there for one reason and one reason only. Yep. And so we'll catch them and, and get them in the water. A lot of times we won't even take pictures, you know, we'll kind of, yeah, or take pictures in the water and get them back. Um, but you know, we caught six that were big ones and we let them go. And then the seventh one was a little one, not even legal. And we threw it back and the people didn't even say anything about not keeping one. To yeah. Eat. Yeah. You know, I told them like, this is a once in a lifetime chance to catch these big ones. You know, and they were they were incredibly thankful and didn't even say anything about well we wanted one for dinner. Right. You know, well we went and caught some other stuff they you know they could keep and eat. That's it. And you know the thing, Jordan, I think that I think there is a, a trend sort of happening where people do sort of have a le- a different level of of respect and regard for for a larger trophy type animal. You know, hunting again, hunting. We're, let's exclude that. You kill them, right? That's the game. But, but with fishing, you don't have to, you sort of have the option in the moment. And I think there's, there's becoming more of a trend to sort of take more of the high road and the sportsman route and let a lot of these big fish go, you know, and and proudly letting them go. You know what I mean? And I think that's a good thing that's happening. It's just not happening as much as we all want it to, but it hasn't, it hasn't really spread into the saltwater world quite as deeply as it has in freshwater, I think. No, and it's you know there's just so many more people for or saltwater fishing, you know. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's a lot of old school mentality still around where it's it's a endless resource. It'll never be fished out, so we can kill whatever we want. It'll be here next year, and it's we've already quickly proven, changing. We've already proven yep. that wrong. That's what yep. it doesn't work like that. The redfish population alone in the Panhandle shows you that that there's it can be wiped out and it can be brought back, and it's just by how you practice the the conservation effort. Yep. And, the, th- and that's you it. know, the thing with that is they put a slot, yep. let the big ones go to breed. Yep. Why don't we, as in FWC, whatever, every state, the biologists say there's a slot limit on every single species of fish. You know, you could do that and really trim out a lot of the, the harvesting times, you know, the, the seasons and whatnot, if you just manage that part of it, right. You know, just catch them, only keep ones in slot, let the big breeders go, every fish species, and the fishery will last a little bit longer. Yeah. It would be something to try because you, you, I think you would quickly find the fish that people, the amberjacks, triggerfish, red snapper, the stuff you hear a lot of conversation about, you know, with the seasons and the size limits and all and everything that, that exists now. Um, if you, and you've said this before, a version of this, but opening the season up all year and having a slot or having some way to sort of protect the species within that, whether, you know, a slot limit and then a lesser, you know, keep count per person, whatever the combination. And you may not have to have these closed seasons. Then you, then you're not, you're not going out trying to, you know, just decimate the red snapper population because it's July. You know what I mean? Yep. And the season's open. So it's kind of a, it, it, the novelty sort of goes away from that too. Yeah. It's, it, it's the it, thing people, where people don't want it as much all of a sudden. If you know, you got 
two days to go do it. You're going to go catch as many as you can in those two days. And no matter the conditions, right. You're going to go get them. If you have 300 and something days to go do it. Well, you still only may go two days of the year. You're going to pick the nice two days where you can go out, be comfortable, catch yours and go. Right. And if you just get a hankering for red snapper one day, you can go do it then. And it, and it, I just feel like it would probably create the balance they're trying to create in, in yep. a in a broader form. I, it it certainly makes sense to me. I don't know what I'm yep. talking about. It's though. it's it's so all driven the... on it's all driven on money and everything. And it, you know, I make a living off catching them and cleaning them for people. And and I'm not trying to be a hypocrite by any means or any you know form or fashion of it. But there's in my opinion, and in my opinion matters to no one and it means nothing, but <laughs> in my opinion, there's a lot better ways to manage a fishery the right way, the, you know, what's best for the biology and what's best for the fishery and it's still allowing people to harvest them instead of just focusing on the busiest times of year when they know they're going to make the most money from it and all that. It's, it's just. Yeah. And, and you know yeah. what the other part of it that's, it just hit me. And so I, it's not like I've researched this or, or know a tremendous amount about it, but just at my first thought, there's not really a lot of conversation from FWC, from their perspective anyway, on the overall ecosystem in Florida. And what I'm talking about is, is like, okay, you do these counts, you have these seasons, you come up with these limits and all these things to regulate, right? But, uh, uh, you know, theoretically solving a problem, you know, and, and, creating this fishery now that's more sustainable but you don't think about and red snapper and these offshore fish maybe maybe not i don't know aren't don't really fall in this category but something that affects them does but all the just the erosion of the shorelines meaning development and all the natural buffers that are there all the places that raise juvenile from bait fish all the way up you know the everglades the clean water stuff that's happening in south florida i mean that rarely gets discussed and surely it has an impact, right? I mean, in Huge some impact. way, I mean, like even if it's juvenile bait fish that the red snapper would later on feed, you know, I mean, some way it's all connected and, and you don't hear them discuss the issues that, that are affected things from that perspective ever. I've never heard it. No, cause they don't care because the more tax money that comes in, that's what's paying their salary and pay, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's just it's all it's, money driven. Yeah, and that kind of proves it because those are massive financial uh, just industries in the state of Florida. You're talking big sugar and then just big agriculture and big development. Like, that's the three biggest industries besides tourism in the state. Yeah, and, you know, tourism during the summer and the fishing licenses and all that when people are coming here for the summer anyway, that's that's what it's driving. That's what's paying, you know, FWC um, and paying – a lot of things, you know, paying me is what I make my living on. But, um, yeah, when it comes down to things they could do to save it, you know, or, or manage it a little better, you don't hear them. They're kind of hush hush. Right. It's a, it's like, are you interested in solving the problem or just having a job and no. a program? And they, and the sad thing is, is most people, you know, most big businesses and corporations and politics don't care about the problem until it affects their bottom line. Yeah, absolutely. When it starts affecting their bottom line, that's when they raise an eyebrow. They're like, oh, this is a problem. Maybe we need to do something about it. Yeah. But until then, it doesn't matter. Yep, you're absolutely right, man. And uh, I don't know. At least it seems like 
the wheels are turning in the right direction, even if they're there's, moving slow. You know, there's, yeah, there's there, progress. There's, there's still a little progress being made. You know, a lot of the social media and, and some of these other organizations, Captain for Clean Water and stuff, they're, you know, they're now using social media platforms and the public to, to really kind of hammer down on some of these issues and say, look, it's affecting the ecosystem right. way before it's affecting your wallet. Let's make a change now before it affects your wallet. You know, and they, you would think everyone would be on board for that, Yeah. you know, so, but you know, it, there is, there is some traction being made, but it's, it's a, it's a straight uphill battle Yeah. and, uh, you know, we're very undermanned and, and undergun with the, the money side to, uh, to make big progress quick. Oh yeah, for sure. You're, you're never going to out buy those other industries in Florida. No, not going to happen. And they've been doing it for years. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah. And that's the problem. I think at the, at the end of the day, that's the real issue one way or yes, the, one way or the other. But you know, the thing is, man, it's, uh, the awareness piece is such a big part of the battle. And, and that's what social media allows the, the Catmans for clean water group to do is show the world what's happening. You don't have to visit down there at the right time to see it. Now you can just be, yep. you can follow them on Facebook and be like, man, this is a mess. Like they weren't kidding, you know? Absolutely. And then you get a little bit more of an uproar and, and kind of a following behind your, your mission. And I think they've done a good job at it. And that's, that's why they're seeing results all of a sudden people, you know, Money's part of it, but politicians respond to the power of the people um, in some, just even if it's for the selfishness of, you know, re-election. Either way, I think it moves the needle at the right time, and they managed to, to capture that. So, um, good for them. That's what we need, you know. Yes, sir. Need more of them. Absolutely. Well, Jordan, buddy, um, I appreciate you sharing uh, sharing your experiences and uh, for the, over the past week and, and your knowledge, man. I appreciate it, and uh, thank you guys for listening. Jordan, I'll get up with you next week, and uh, we'll try to do this again, man. Yes, sir. Sounds good. All right, buddy. See you then. All righty.